0: Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, good to see you again, and welcome back to Path to Abundant Living. I'm Ryan Ruff, your moderator, and as always, I'll be joined by my right-hand guys, and that's Mr. Matt Norman and Scott Morrison of Morrison Norman Wealth Management, and we're excited to dive into another great conversation, bringing you a fantastic guest expert today in Miss Cheris Santilli She is of uh, Cheris Your Life. Now, we're super excited to be welcoming Cheris on. She is the founder of the organization Cheris for Life, but also she really serves as a fulfill fulfillment and and life transition coach and we're going to talk about what that really means on a granular level today and how it pertains to a lot of the conversations and work that scott and matt are having with their clients at morrison norman wealth management but before we introduce you all to Cheris, let's go ahead and say hi to the guys matt scott good to see you guys today how are we doing ryan
1: great to see you scott professor how are you today <laughs> i'm good how about yourself doing well doing good. well
0: yeah, doing well, Look, fellas. Look, so we got a, we got a great guest joining us here on the podcast today, in and Cheris Santilli, and, Tilly. and uh, you know we've been bringing the audience some some really interesting folks on the show of late. Why don't you frame it up to us before we bring Cheris out here? Uh, why Cheris? Why how how come we wanted to bring her on and and uh, have a conversation with her today? Uh, that's a great question, Ryan. Uh, so I have a friend, uh,
1: Neil Albritton. Shout out to Neil. Uh, he has his own uh, financial advising firm in St. Louis, Missouri talked to Neil um, regularly and he had introduced me to Cheris. We all go through different transitions in life and whether it's retirement and business owners selling the business or just all, we, we all go through these different transitions he said you need to talk to Cheris because she has helped so many people go through these transitions because not only is it the physical transition of oh I'm going to stop doing this to this there's a huge emotional component from changing from one thing to the next, that next chapter, the transition, whatever phrase that people like to use. And so we thought with the people that we work with and, and anyone else, it's like, what should you be thinking about, talking about, talking to someone to help you with that transition? Because we've all seen someone who maybe doesn't know how to do it. They can see people making that transition into something else, but they don't know how to do that. And we thought,
0: what better person than Cheris? No, oh, I love it, guys. And, and, you know, we've had conversations on this show about a, a really big life transition from some of your clients. And that's that idea of uh, I sold my business. Now what? You know, you, you're, you've are you got this massive change in your life and it can be difficult navigating these. So really excited to welcome Cheris Santilli. Cheris, thanks so much for carving some time out of your busy schedule and jumping aboard uh, with us on Path to Abundant Living today.
2: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, everybody.
0: Charis, to see Charis, Charis. I was going
3: I was going to mention Cheris. i'm I had you on for far more selfish reasons uh, because Matt's ten years younger than myself, and he is my succession plan. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm very interested in the topic matter today,
2: wonderful. yeah, wonderful. happy to happy to chat. and um and I'm especially intrigued. Matt shared with me a little bit about your background. So I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation between the four of us. Okay,
1: so chairs can you which we're going to link to the show about about your your story about bracing for impact can you share kind of your story
2: yes absolutely so um the what brought me into coaching really goes back to childhood and the the key details to note is that i've grew up in an entrepreneurial household i literally got to watch my parents pursue and achieve the american dream they built a business from scratch that started in a kitchen and grew that up. And that was my like junior high to high school years. So, um, I followed suit and, you know, they were modeling for me what hard work ethic and being an entrepreneur looked like and, and all of these things. So I went after all the accolades I could at at my age, (laughs) you know, in school and, and conquered a lot of achievements. And then I went off to college and I came back to celebrate my dad's 50th birthday. And we went for a hot air balloon ride. And I, that was the summer to give you a gauge. This was 1994. I was turning 19. My dad was turning 50 and we had this beautiful hot air balloon ride. uh, And there was something that went terribly wrong though. We had a crash landing and it was a super hot day and we had trouble coming down. Anybody who's ever been on one or really seen how they work. It's not like you can steer these things. Uh, so the air currents, we had some challenges, we hit the ground, we ended up having to do a couple tries. And during that, um, attempted, you know, second try, my dad ended up falling out of the basket and he ended up with a broken neck and was paralyzed. And, We, you know, obviously our lives completely flipped upside down. It had, this had a huge impact on everything and within, well, I mean, immediately that night it impacted me and in that I saw looking back, I can see how my coping mechanism, once the initial shock was through and the initial terrifying emotions ran through me. And then I was just kind of numb and looking around the hospital, trying to figure out what to do next. I found that keeping myself busy was really safe and felt really, well, it it gave me the illusion of control. So then I think I really started patterning that being busy, getting down to check things off a list. Literally, I started making phone calls to family and friends and their, um, all my parents' staff. That was really safe. And so then I... I ended up doing a couple decades of being a workaholic because that was my pat, you know, my new pattern and way of being my brain wired that in as yep, this is going to, this is going to help. My mom turned to alcohol to numb her pain. She did that for a few decades until it finally caught up with her liver and she passed away about 10 years ago. And, uh, and then my dad physically paralyzed. Um, my dad's still with us. This, Coming summer will be the 30th anniversary of of the hot air balloon accident. He's still with us and his sharp as ever, and his attitude is quite phenomenal. Um, It always has been that way. So, fortunately, that was my childhood modeling of this real, really optimistic, very much. He was a Dale Carnegie guy. He was you know, into all of the personal development things before there was really a thing called personal development, right? It was kind of the beginning time of that. So there's the, the short, you know, key points of what led me to at least the challenges coming out of that about 11 years ago, I met a life coach and I'd been doing therapy for a number of years, but coaching was a whole different, you know, a whole different ball game and accessed a different part of me that needed some healing and needs some addressing. And so that introduction then led me to become a life coach myself eventually. And so here I am.
1: That is an unbelievable story. I cannot even imagine what it would be like to to go through that and see that, and then to transition. Literally, so you you found yourself in in your story doing what you had said, and I'm quote unquote the safe thing. Do you see that a lot with people who go through things like this? The people absolutely,
2: absolutely. It's um, and you mentioned bracing for impact. I have a five minute video where I share more about the details, and uh, you know, and it's and it's a, a, a literally about what happened, the actual accident, the the bits and pieces, but the bracing for impact, we literally were told to brace for impact. And I think in that moment too, and then looking at the aftermath, we all have ways that we brace for impact in our lives. It's like psychological impact, sometimes physical impact, or they're connected. In my case, there was a connection in one day. You know, It was um, a life-threatening situation, literally thought we were all going to die. To then, oh my gosh, my dad almost died. Does he have brain damage? Like, you know, all these things we didn't know right away. um and then to then coping and and then just dealing with feelings I didn't want to feel super uncomfortable. So I think that we all have ways that we become what I look back on is that. My dad was physically paralyzed. My mom and I became emotionally paralyzed. And I think a lot of people going through different types of transitions have some period of time where they are. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're completely emotionally paralyzed in every aspect of their life, but typically in in, um, certain aspects and certain ways, there are feelings that they are refusing to feel, shoving aside, dismissing. Uh, avoiding all sorts of things, whether it be through alcohol or work, or other vices or anything else you can imagine. um, There's ways that we cope. And so I think that absolutely, everybody has some level of that that they do. And even without a big trauma, like we went through, you know, basic life trauma.
1: Okay, real quick, Scott, can you share kind of your experience when you were working at STAR? Because it sounds like I've heard you tell stories about some of the at-risk youth that you worked with that sound, you know, the coping mechanisms that you, that Cheris was just talking about.
3: Right, well, the I worked with a, I worked at a child residential care facility with at-risk kids and families. Most of the kids came to our uh, facility. Uh, it was a residential setting uh, away from their families, court adjudicated youth uh, came with a lot of issues, Uh, oftentimes uh, definitely abuse in the family, which then was facilitated through their own behavior in a variety of ways, whether it was just not adjusting to school or being a problem in the neighborhood, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, my background was first, before I got in the financial services industry was actually in family therapy. Um, So, you know, the thing that, that strikes me about your story is that what I find in, in, in people who've been through things like that is that it, they develop, when they, when they come out the, the other end in the right way, they come out with a real passion that many people would love to have as a part of their motivation to start a business. Um, and it just makes me think of some of the success stories we had with kids and families. It makes me think of who, who never made the leap, who never made the adjustment um, and some of the key elements that led to either the failure or the successes. And so you know, I commend you for for being able to take such a tragedy um, and be able to build a, a successful business on it. It kind of leads me to my next question of it you know, why did you begin this work? you You've obviously shared with us what happened with you, but how does how did you get to the point where you wanted to then transition to helping others?
2: So there was a a key moment, a turning point for me, first of all, that that I think is kind of a pivotal thing to share. Uh, it was about 11 years ago I was at a business event. I had just launched a successful software product and it was for marketing purposes in a niche industry and I um I just I like I I felt like I should have been on cloud 9 but I wasn't. So what ended up happening was I was just chatting with people that you know the day before were strangers and then you start getting to know everyone out on the foyer i end up telling someone our family story and i'd done that before it's not like i mean and i was able to talk it through and not have a charge with it and yet there was something different about this moment and he picked up on that and he said to me charis i get that your uh, you know dad's been paralyzed for nearly 20 years but why are you paralyzed and that was the first time i ever like had that connection with what i shared earlier about being emotionally paralyzed That was the moment that really cut to me. And the next day is when I happened to meet a life coach. So it was like this perfect serendipitous combo of events that then showed me, okay, this is something that can help you. So that was my introduction. It was a very uh, raw time for me, extremely vulnerable. Like I literally felt like something had like cracked me open. I felt very raw and very like, holy crap, what is going on with me? Something is, is up So that began my journey and I saw the power of coaching and what it, how it complemented the therapy that I was doing. And then I just, I was so, I think initially I was looking to it almost like another thing to check off the list though, a being busy type of thing and a a work thing and a, this will help me, this will fix it. Um, So my intention was probably a little bit driven by that, but uh, there was something else deeper driving it thankfully. So I went all in with private coaching, group coaching, different programs she did in person over calls, all kinds of stuff. And I ended up doing a lot of the prerequisites for her coaching certification program. So over time, then I realized that I'd already had some things under my belt. I was using these communication skills. I was learning coaching skills, which really are communication at the core communication skills, um, to in, in my business and my husband's business with how I communicated with employees, I was realizing that I had better relationship with my husband and my family with how I was communicating with them because I was carrying them over too. I saw the value of it. And then I couldn't be honest with myself at first that I actually wanted to become a coach. So I had to use the excuse internally. This was for myself and really, of, um, well, this will, if I do the whole certification, this will just make me a better business owner. And, you know, Rhonda says there's many people who join who don't actually become coaches and do that full time. There's business owners, there's nurses, there's judges, there's this, that. So that was my justification for you know, being able to go all in to get certified. I'm a certified fearless living coach and a certified fearless living trainer, And then not, not long after I dove into that, I realized this feel this lights me up. And so one thing led to another. I found a way to exit my current business at the time because I needed to pursue this. And that actually was the beginning step of an intro into an intro into an intro you know, and it's all compounded that led me here to talk with you today in the financial services world. So, um, so that's a little bit more about how I actually became a coach.
0: Right. And- yeah. Cheris, this really, I was just going to say, it's really interesting to to hear the transition for yourself and getting to that, that kind of aha moment of, of finding what lights you up. But then from there, would you care to talk a little bit about, you know, since finding that aha moment where some of the big impacts that you've, you've made on others and where you've felt that moment kind of continually pop up as you've been helping others, you know, what are, what are some of these big impacts that you've, you've had on people as you, you know, you work through Cheris your life?
2: Yeah. So, um, uh, fun question, uh, gets me excited thinking about it. So I can think of one gentleman, um, who's still a client after the first session with him, my first session with him, um, actually just a couple sentences in, and this is someone who's very well-spoken. He's done a lot of coaching, uh, you know, as a client, he's even, uh, he's written a book. He's done a lot of personal development. He's done therapy. He's done all kinds of things. And, but something compelled him to, to work with me kind of in a, I've been in a transition for a couple of years, no longer really operating a business really enjoying a lot of things in life. And then, but feeling a little funky through this zone. So a couple sentences in, he made this comment, and I, I grabbed it because one of the things I really pay a lot of attention to and, and call people out on is their language Uh, because it's really interesting, the language we use, and we don't even notice it sometimes ourselves. Most of the time, we often don't notice some of the words we say, or definitely not what we think, and oftentimes not what we say. So he'd said something that sparked me to ask a question really fast, and then led to another question. Well, basically, what he realized is that he never thought about it. He liked to play the humility card when he gets compliments, but he actually dismisses compliments. And then I shined a light on what that actually meant for him and what that meant for the person who essentially is giving the gift of the compliment and related to almost like if you somebody gave you a gift and you just kind of were like oh that's nice and then like set it down, you know it doesn't feel very good on any side of that, and it was really an interesting aha moment so much so that he ended up sharing it on a podcast he does, and it was fun to see it was fun fun to see him share that so quickly and pay that forward because it really lit him up. And this is somebody who's done a lot of work on himself, but he realized he was dismissing these compliments and not just not, not in full receipt of them and what that, what's really going on underneath the surface. So that was a fun moment to then see him pay it forward so quickly, quickly and share it with his network. Um, And something that's seemingly so simple, but it was so impactful for him, it made a, a, you know, it it really had a trickle effect. Um, So that's one example. Uh, Recently, just in this last few weeks, there's been multiple clients. I've helped them with their relationships with their spouses in being able to speak up for their needs and make requests in such a way that it doesn't get, people on the defensive and they've just yesterday, I had someone join me and I said, you know, so I asked him about a risk he took in this last week. And he says, well, I talked to my wife, you know, like what we talked about. And he said, it was awesome. He said, It worked so well. And he kind of was laughing. He's shaking his head. And I was like, tell me more. You know, it was so fun to hear. And there's been multiple of those lately too. And it's so exciting to think that that I'm helping these people in one of their most important relationships in their lives. And um, how exciting that is to think that they're having better communication. I mean, it just, their whole worlds are changing because of that. It's, it's pretty remarkable.
1: That is remarkable. So what if, so the the first example you gave is is someone who I'll use the word struggles to accept compliments. So how do you and I I may I may be really close to someone, i.e. I might be that person who struggles with that. So <laughs> you know, you kind of defer. It's the it's, you know, how do you how do you accept, how do you help people? accept those and as you said is this it's a gift that someone has given you
2: well that reframe was enough for him to start shifting and whether or not that's enough for you but you know we can see but the the basic premise is can you practice saying just just saying thank you and like at first it may feel uncomfortable to not go on with whatever you would normally say thank you but it's no big deal. Thank you. But really, I have this amazing team. Thank you. Da, 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 you know, whatever the thing is that you, or the thank you. And I need to tell you, and, and then you've, you know, compliment them back. Mm-hmm. It? So all of these are common things that a lot of people do. And I used to do a lot myself too. So what I would invite you to do is to practice saying thank you, just the two words, if you can. And just bite bite your tongue like literally just (laughs) yes literally just think to yourself it's a gift you know just picture a gift they just giving you a gift can you just (laughs) it's going to be really uncomfortable it could be really uncomfortable at first but the more you practice um we talk a lot about frequency length and intensity lessening over time with these things like the the more you practice anything and put your attention on it the less it's going to happen the, you know, like the shorter, the period, like you'll, you might catch yourself as you start saying, thank you, but and you might like literally just like cut yourself off mid-sentence the first time, another time you might catch it right after you say, thank you. The next time you can actually, you might even think of it before the words come out of your mouth, you know, so that it's going to happen less and the intensity of how you feel and how uncomfortable you feel that will lessen over time too, if your practice and the key to practice is First of all, though, are you willing, you know, awareness is number one, and then uh, willingness is number two. All right.
3: Uh, one of the things that I, you know, that obviously is real close to myself is the idea of transitioning from one part of my life to the next in terms of a retirement uh, or a transition from selling a business, you know, that liquidity event that, that. You know, I wonder what am I going to be doing? What's, you know, I've, I've wrapped up so much of my identity in the business that I've built or in the, the person who I am, and now I'm going to go through this. So what, what can you tell us that you've, what kind of experiences have you had in helping uh, to break some through some of those resistances with, with people who are making those kind of transitions in life?
2: I have uh, somebody I spoke with yesterday is right there, literally months away. He's been scaling back over time, and I think that is an ideal scenario. So,
3: you hear that, Matt? You're scaling <laughs> back Mark? You're scaling
1: back. Is that what you're telling me? You're, you're releasing. You're, you're announcing to the world that you're scaling back.
2: No. So, <laughs> if you if you can give it, let me put it this way: the more time you can give it, first of all, the better to ease into it. Because if you just, it's kind of like, just like, so you don't have that feeling inside of you emotionally as if you just dropped off a cliff, like just that big change of life was this way. And now life is this way, because that can be very jarring to your entire nervous system. And so the more time you can give it, the better, the more gradual you can do have that transition be the better for, again, for your nervous system, for your whole psyche to like be getting into a new groove and for you to also find replacements that like if you're really driven and lit up by your work but you for some you know decided it is time to lessen the hours and or literally move to ending that chapter there needs to be something else that's going to light you up and also if you've really connected your identity with your business so much so that your purpose is connected with it, and so much is way connected with it, then you're going to hit some definite walls of fear when you try to change your life, and because you're going to be coming up against expanding outside your comfort zone, and your your comfort zone is not necessarily everything that's comfortable, but it's just everything that your way your life is right now, which includes. whole part of your brain that is literally trying to keep you safe. And I have a feeling given your background, you already know a lot of these details, but for our audience who may not know some of this, um, you know, it's just whatever we're doing right now, that's pattern behavior. If you even try to like, I'm holding up my water right now. If, if I just say, well, I want to drink more water. And if I'm struggling with that or somebody out there is struggling with that and you're like, well, God, that's a simple thing to do. Why can't I just do more? Like, why can't I just do it? Because it's simple. I'm literally capable of it. I can pick it up. I can get it. I have access to it. But if, if I'm not doing it enough, it can be an easy way to beat myself up. Well, these, these are like these little stretches, little bit outside of our comfort zone and outside of our habits where we can hit little walls of resistance. And technically there's fear driving us underneath all of that, believe it or not, it may sound dramatic, but it's true. And if we're struggling to do like one, I'm sure everybody can think of like something seemingly simple that you want to be doing in your life or not doing that you're struggling with. And then imagine a bigger thing like this career change or ending or what, however you want that to look. It's, it, it can be a big deal. It could almost feel to your system as if you're going to die. You know, when you think about some of that, It, it just depends. Everybody's comfort level with all of this stuff and the fears they have beneath everything can really affect them. So uh, there's a lot for rewiring and having it be a gradual because there's definitely, what I've seen so far out in the world is that the ex- the typical exit plan is, mis- is missing the emotional plan. It's really doesn't typically cater to the emotional aspects of these significant life changes, especially when someone has built a business or gotten so attached to it, it's almost like, like for my mom, when they lost the, I don't know if I told all the details, but like they lost the business, they lost everything. They went bankrupt for her losing the business was like having a child ripped from her. I mean, it was devastating. And I see and hear about that too, from, you know, out in this world, your world, it's really it's so sad to hear when people are even making a conscious decision to leave their business. And then they've got time and money, like, let's say the best scenario. And yet then they feel completely just miserable. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they don't feel worthy to enjoy their life because they've associated so much with their, their business. That that's the case with some people.
3: So maybe as you approach retirement, as opposed to waiting until your retirement, start looking for those transition points, looking for those things that you can start to incorporate into your life, you know, as part of the transition to retirement.
2: Absolutely. And if you're willing to do the emotional work, whether it's someone like me, and or therapy and or something, some groups, some people have church groups, there's all kinds of, of ways you can get support. I have seen and I firmly believe that emotional work is absolutely I don't want to say necessary, because for some people, maybe it just depends on what kind of life you want to have. But if you really, really, really want to grow and evolve yourself through this and have this amazing next chapter, that is everything you dreamt it would be are actually better, in a sense, uh, then I highly recommend doing some emotional work.
1: So, so chairs, when when someone's thinking about this, right, when when they're thinking about that transition of selling their business or moving on from the thing that they're doing, right? Especially with the the example of selling your business, the business valuation, that's a numbers game. And you can figure out, oh, this is what it's worth, pay out, lump sum, pay out over five, seven, eight, or whatever that looks like. They can figure that out. But what should they be thinking about in addition to, you know, you touched on that emotional side of it. What should they they be thinking about and or doing to prepare and or
2: transition? The words slow down are coming to mind right now. I think that... uh, slowing down to really evaluate. It's almost like their inner portfolio because, you know, if if they're waking up, I know some people that are still, you know, they're looking to retire and yet they're still working on vacation, you know? <laughs> and it's like, okay, that well, you're going to have a big leap. You're going to feel completely disconnected from yourself and your whole experience if you don't make some other transitions here slowing down to do an internal inventory of how attached you are to work, how attached you are to your business, literally, where are you spending your time? What else do you enjoy? Um, like some people say, well, I'll just, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to golfing more and traveling more and da, 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 da or, you know, I want to, um, so let's, let's think of the the idea of golfing more, for example. Well, does that has that person ever you know golfed multiple times in one week do they enjoy that is that fun for them maybe they should try that you know doing it once every whatever is might be normal for them but what do they anticipate they'd be doing in retirement you want to try that out for a short term you know what else is it that you envision that you think you would be doing so much you could experiment and try some of these things out and see like does it feel boring after a, a few weeks? Is this, or are you really enjoying that? Is that going to fulfill you? Uh, you know, there's, there's some practical things like that, that, that can be done as well, but it's all of that is going to reveal where there may be some emotional issues and gaps in connection with all of this too. And yeah. if they're uncomfortable, not being able to be doing work, you know, what is that? What are they what does that mean for them?
3: Have you ever incorporated other family members or business associates or whatever that case might be as part of that transition in terms of helping,
2: I've helping had,
3: the you know, business owner, so to speak?
2: I've had a spouse on an initial call with me because the person, uh, the client wanted uh, wanted her to meet me and just get her you know, kind of opinion, he'd already watched a lot of things I'd done and had come to me from a referral and and stuff felt pretty confident, but he wanted that. Um, she's not been on the calls. Typically, I would say it's ideal scenario to have. It's a very personal experience and you want to be able to face stuff and in a safe space and having that person there is usually not, I would not do that anytime in the near, in the like early days, for sure. If that was a request of a client, it would come much later, much, much, much later. But I think the most impactful I can have, uh, or the most impact I can have with someone is by helping them in like their communication with their spouse. Like I gave the example earlier that is super powerful and that builds their confidence to be able to do it again and again. And that literally happened after just a couple sessions with one of these people recently. So pretty exciting the impact it can have in their personal life, which then expands to everything. Um, So I think that while it can be done, I am not a big advocate of that. I think that most, the the greatest power comes in working with an individual and guiding them on how to improve their relationship so that they build that muscle and they have the power themselves and can see the little wins. And then you build up, it's like a file box of evidence that I'm always working on with people and like in their brains, (laughs) we've Mm -hmm. got this file box and we want to keep packing it with evidence that it's safe to Ask for getting, you know, our needs met and make requests, and we can do it in a certain way. And look, that phrasing works. And uh, it's safe to slow down. It's safe to do these fun things that I want to do. It's safe to not be super productive all the time. You know, whatever that is we're working on, we can build this evidence, and then that muscle gets stronger over time. So that's the key thing that I work on with people
1: which is sounds fantastic. So, so someone's listening and they're like, well, when should I begin this process? You know, I'm X age and I love what I do. Or is it when they start to feel the, the tug of, Oh, maybe it's time. Or like, when should someone even begin this process of, of whether it's talking with someone like you, which we would highly recommend or or someone else to say, yeah, I, I need to, be involved with someone to help me with this transition.
2: I say the earlier, the better. I have grown so much in a decade of this kind of work myself, like literally myself doing this kind of work to improve myself and my communication and my clarifying my own purpose and disconnecting that from any business I've ever had and really feeling true value and trust in myself, no matter what. I mean, I, I am such a different person because I've spent so much time working on myself and it's fantastic. So I want that for other people. So I say, you know, do it before you need it. Like if you have anything that inspires you, it's like, you know, yeah, I want to get a head start on this, then go for it. First of all. Um, your relationships, your whole life will just change. I mean, this led to me designing a life that I love, not that I ever hated my day-to-day life in my prior businesses and things, but oh my gosh, I'm so lit up now. It's so much fun. So, so that's what I would say, first of all, but most of my clients, for example, tend to be in their late forties to late fifties, some in in their early sixties, but the People, sometimes they're getting a head start, and, or they're going through a transition of like, well, I'm getting, selling one business or a doctor who's wanting to move on and do something different, or is just feeling a little something to shift in their life. They're not into the retirement zone, but they want to do something different. And they want to maintain a certain life balance that they finally accomplished. Because most of my clients have in common with me that at some point they were workaholics too. So, we tend to have that in common, but they've found a sense of balance for the most part at this stage, is what I is what tends to be the case. And then there's the people too that are looking at, hey, I'm looking to retire a handful of months or a few years down the road, or I'm in this zone. So, it's all over the map. I think the biggest thing is to trust your own gut. And if you feel a whisper, that's not the voices that come up and try to tell you you should or shouldn't do stuff, but the little whisper that's like, yeah, why don't you go check into this? Then, then do that.
1: So how would, so, you know, we come across a lot of people, people that we work with and then people that are introduced to us, you know, you, you can lead the horse to water. Are there things that, we should be looking for, others should be looking for of, oh, this is someone that would really benefit from talking with Cheris. You talked about their, they want to grow. Is that, or they, you know, self-improvement. Is that something someone should be looking for to say, oh, you should talk to Cheris. Or is it, we know that you're going to be selling your business, or you have this big transition coming up.
2: Well, so definitely an obvious transition or somebody. So a lot of people, most of my clients come to me by referrals, uh, either from current clients or from people like yourselves. And, uh, they have in they tend to have in common, they are about to do a transition or they are in the middle of one, or they're just kind of been in one for a couple of years and feeling a little funky. So that has been in common. There's also been the commonality of, um, I have people fill out a coaching application before they work with me and we determine if we're a match for each other. And so that's the first way I get to know someone. And then we get on the phone too. And I would say that a word that is almost on almost every of these that, that, uh, one of these that in some answer shows up is the word purpose. So anybody ever mentions the word purpose, one person mentioned it as a purpose crisis, or I just, I want to have a, figure out what my purpose is in retirement or my purpose in my next chapter. So that's a common phrase, you know, word that's popping up. Uh, and so purpose, transition, uh, definitely if they're about to exit something, especially if they built it themselves, you know, and um. But I, I those are the key things coming to mind right now.
1: Okay, appreciate it. Well, we have, I don't know if Scott, if you have any more questions, but we have taken way too much of your time. So we really appreciate this. I know a lot of people are gonna benefit from hearing this. If someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: So um, my website is cherishyourlife.com. My, I'm at cherishyourlife on all the socials. And I have a podcast too called Cherish Your Life. And my name is Tricky. You guys have all said it perfectly. It's spelled like the city, spelled and pronounced like the city Paris to help everyone understand, but with a CH, C H A R I S. So you can find me everywhere at Cherish Your Life.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you very much. I know I'll speak for anybody that's listening. I know they're going to find a lot of value in this, and we appreciate your insight and expertise and your
0: time.
2: Absolutely. It was a pleasure.
0: Fantastic. Well, Cheris Santilli joining us from Cheris Your Life. Really appreciate her and her time today diving into this idea of of fulfillment and the life transition work that she does with clients. Guys, man, Cheris unloaded a lot. I mean, her story obviously is emotional, impactful, led her down this journey to then helping others. Uh, What was some of the big takeaways for you, Matt? I'll I'll tee it up for you first, and I'd love to hear from Scott as well.
1: You know, Ryan, there was so much to unpack and so much information. You know, when when we talk with people, we talk about, you know, that transition a lot of times about how scary it can be. And so having someone like Cheris help you unpack all that to get to that next step instead of viewing it as this, I got to climb a 10 or 15 or a 20 foot wall to get to that next chapter, the next stage, whatever term you like to use. Instead of just it just being a, oh, it's just one more step because you've been purposeful and intentional and saying, okay how do I make that transition that much easier? And then obviously the. Just say thank you. Someone gives you a gift of a compliment. Thank you. And literally just this past weekend, my wife and I were talking about that exact same thing. So, yeah, those were two big things for me.
0: Yeah. Really interesting. Really? I, I, th- that was a very, very interesting note. Uh, I, I might be, I'm all, I also fall into that bucket of trying to, uh, I mean, I accepting the compliment, but also just trying to move past it. Cause for whatever reason, it would make me uncomfortable. You know, I, I totally, totally get, uh, why and how so many people tend oh, to tend to lean on that, you know? Right.
1: It's so easy to do because you really are, you, you are appreciative of it, but you're sure. also like, well. It, Clearly, like yeah. she said, well, it's my team. It's like, I look at the team who has helped me, you know, make someone else's life easier and put the plan together and implement the plan. And it's not, you know, it's not just me.
0: Yeah. yeah. In, in well, so many instances. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Well, well, Scott, what were uh, what were some of your big takeaways from our conversation with cheris Well, I, I think,
3: you know, Matt and I talk so much about You know what really defines us as financial advisors or wealth managers and you know if somebody asks us the question what do you do i mean the the easy knee-jerk reaction is well we're financial advisors or we're wealth managers but you know what we really do best i mean what we what we feel like we do best is we connect with people about what's most important and finding that purpose so that the wealth and the purpose or the transition of the business and the perp, the next purpose becomes a real living thing, um, and something to plan for. Um, and so you're going to find yourself, I think, if you're a good financial advisor talking a lot more about people's lives than just, you know, what the valuation of their business is or, or how much life insurance they have for the next generation. Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know when we talk about things like transitions in life, whether it be from a tragedy or just you know somebody who's going to go into retirement, they're 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 not they're not used to being retired. they're they're used to working. Mm-hmm. And so you know, spending some time when I think about our discovery process again and our wealth management process, I, I think about, okay, redirecting clients back into discussions about, You know, what's the real purpose here of your life? And what are we going to do to build a wealth plan around that purpose? Um, And I think that's, if we're having those kind of discussions all the time, then we're not going to save it for the very end. We're going to make it just part of the everyday, you know, uh, just the progress of of working with people and their finances.
1: That's like,
0: yeah, I love that.
1: Which I want to ask you, Ryan, but like, just to expound on what Scott's saying, it's like just helping, you know, what we're known for is helping people get purposeful and intentional and then we're committed to helping them you know with that wealth to actually you know take care of their family and achieve all those things like Scott was saying that are most important to them right because it is all about them it's all about you and and what it is that you want to achieve what would, sure. would you What do
0: you take away, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, that idea of being purposeful, intentional, you can't get that life of fulfillment that Cheris helps people work through without being purposeful, without being intentional, because otherwise you're always going to lean on your knee jerk reaction, which it might be burying yourself in work, it could be burying yourself in other things that are, you know, worse for your health, Uh, there's, there's a you know our knee-jerk reactions not always are going to be the best for us when it comes to these big transitions in our lives uh we we try to i think most of us out there tend to to want to lean towards the path of least resistance you know um but one the the thing that really stuck out for me uh you know really interesting for me was was this idea of you know you have this vision for for what the what the back end of the transition may look like you know matt you you framed it up it's this big wall in front of you but that vision of what is behind the wall and what is reality. Once you arrive behind the wall is usually a little different and it's probably important that you should test the waters a little bit. So the idea that Sherris provided with us of, of for somebody who has this envisionment of retirement and golfing and traveling, well, how often do you golf now? Is this something really that you're going to want to be doing the majority of your time? You know, let's say as much time as you just spent, Fifty hours, maybe a week on on managing and running your business. I mean, it, testing the waters was like a big theme that I think I, I I took away from that, and and being real with yourself, and and having a a purposeful and intentional idea of what lives on the other side of that wall, what lives on the other side of of you know the transition that you're hoping to eventually achieve. So. Uh, Really interesting stuff. I mean, it makes, makes you look inward, uh, you know, and no wonder why Cheris has had success having these types of conversations with folks because it, you know, it, it's this, it's tough to have this conversation yourself with just yourself to, you know, have somebody like Cheris to bounce these ideas off of and work through some, you know, you know, different barriers in your life. It's super important.
1: Extremely important, and what I heard Scott say is, well, he's not ready to go, but he might start testing the waters, (laughs) taking taking a little more time, and and so along those lines. Glad you're paying attention. Again, I I feel that again we're both called to do this, and I have, you know, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Have no plans to stop doing this, but maybe I do need to play golf because I do enjoy golf, so. Maybe I should try to play a little more golf. Just to You're kind of You're not going to have
3: time to do that if I'm doing <laughs> what I'm doing.
0: Uh,
3: just to try to see what it's like.
0: I'm seeing that <laughs> I am seeing some more tee times in Matt's future, Scott. So watch out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, look, I really appreciate you, uh, both of you, of course, carving some time out of your respective schedules. I know you got clients to serve, so I'll let you get back to doing that. But, uh, really good episode today with Cheris. Uh, appreciate you both, and, uh, guys, I mean, look, you you have these conversations. You mentioned a moment ago they're purposeful, intentional, helping clients navigate, you know, challenges with regard to wealth and goals, and then, of course, putting them on that path. Of course, as we talk about on the show, to abundant living. So, for anybody out there that would, you know benefit from a conversation with you guys about that intersection of goals and wealth and where they want to go? What would be the best way they can get in touch with you guys? Uh, So the
1: traditional way, pick up the phone, call 517-333-7967, or go to the website, morrisonnordman.com. And there's a link you can click on to schedule a get to know you call 15 minutes. We're going to spend 15 minutes, give or take, and just learn all about you and see how we can add value.
0: Perfect. Well, guys, appreciate you again and uh, looking forward to being back on the next one with you.
1: Great to see you, Ryan.
0: Great show. See you soon. See you, Scott. See you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. And hey, look, we're going to take one final moment, as we always do, and thank you all, and that's our audience, for stopping by and being with us today on the show. If you took anything away from today's discussion with Cheris, you benefited from it in any way, shape, or form, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whichever platform. You did check out the show today so that you don't miss out on other great conversations, just like these, where whether it's Scott, Matt, and I diving into different wealth management topics or bringing on some great guest experts from their network. Either way, we're trying to provide value to you guys at the end of the day. So, you know, by making sure you're subscribed, you won't miss out on any future episodes. But for Matt and Scott, I'm Ryan. We're going to go and say so long now. But again, thanks for stopping by and being with us on Path to Abundant Living. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors. Morrison, Norman & Associates and Securities America are separate entities. All investing involves
2: risk, including the possible risk of principal.